Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Thankful to be in the house of God tonight and to feel the presence of the Lord is a wonderful privilege that we have. Amen. I'm thankful for His blessings on Sunday night and uh, just want to see Him continue to move in this new year. Praise God. And uh, work His will in each of our lives. I hope that's what you're praying for, is this, this, that this year could be the best year yet in your relationship and serving the Lord. Amen. And that doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter what your age is or how long you've been serving God. The sky's the limit when it comes to your relationship with the Lord. Amen. Uh, limitations may be imposed on us in other areas, but it doesn't have to be in our relationship with God. And uh, so I'm thankful for that, that we can reach whatever we desire in Him. And uh, we'll reach only as much as we desire, as much as we hunger for. So really it only lies with me and how much I can receive and how much I can give from God. I want to be hungry for Him. Amen? Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, invite your attention to the book of Revelation, chapter number 3. Book of Revelation, chapter number 3. And I want to read a couple of verses of Scripture. This is the Lord addressing uh, the churches of Asia. And there's one in particular that I want to um, focus on here tonight. Let's look at verse 7 of chapter 3. This is our favorite or example church. If we had to choose one to be like, this is definitely the one out of these seven that we want to emulate. So let's look at verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works, and behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. I want you to notice what he says here in the latter portion of verse 7. He that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. And then he goes on in verse 8 to tell them that I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. And so I want to preach about this door. And I just want to call this tonight the door because I'm going to talk about different aspects of it. Praise God. So I don't really have a fancy title per se tonight, but uh, hopefully uh, we've got some substance here to bring to you from the word of the Lord. Let's pray for the Lord to help us, his hand to be upon us, his anointing to be here tonight in this service. Jesus, we look to you once again. We're praying, God, for your help. 
We know, Lord, we're nothing without you. We depend upon you and trust in you to move here tonight and to have your way and will in this house. Strengthen your people, each and every saint of God. You know them. You know their needs. You know where they're at in life right now. And I pray, God, that you administer to them accordingly. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Let's give praise into the name of the Lord. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The Lord introduces himself to the church of Philadelphia here by proclaiming of himself five virtues of his character and his abilities, and each one of them of themselves deserve contemplation tonight, and we could spend time on any one of them uh, preaching or teaching. He said, These things saith he that is holy. He that is true, aren't you thankful that you know that the greatest attribute of God is His holiness and that He is a true God? Amen. And there's a lot of things that we could talk about pertaining to that. We're thankful for the truth, but we're thankful for a God that is true in every way. Praise the Lord. He can be depended upon because He is true. He's a faithful God. He can be trusted in. And then it goes on to say, he that hath the key of David. And this is a reference to a prophetic fulfillment. We know that Jesus Christ is from the lineage of David. And there are several other things that we could talk about in regards to that. He that openeth and no man shutteth. And he that shutteth and no man openeth. And my particular interest tonight is upon those last two things that I have spoken to you concerning opening and shutting. The Lord proclaims that when he shuts a door, amen, that no man can open it. No amount of charisma, no amount of manipulation, no amount of political might or power can force open a door that God has shut. Before we go any further, I want to I discuss that tonight. I want to talk about God's ability to close a door. We talk about God when we refer to this scripture. When I've heard this uh, passage preached upon, most of the time uh, we deal with the fact that he's able to open a door, and we're going to deal with that tonight. But I want to, first of all, talk about his ability to close a door and we see several instances of this and examples of this in the word of God God's ability to close a door and can I say in a lot of areas of our life that is just as important to us as it is that he opens a door because oftentimes in the shutting of one door we are revealed an opening of another area of our life or another door that is available to us, that is the will of God and the purpose of God being fulfilled in our life. We would have never recognized that open door had the other door that maybe we wanted to be open or we thought was best or in our minds we thought that this was the will of God and what we had been praying about and thought in our own human logic was the right thing, but yet that door was shut 
And then the more perfect will of God was revealed to us and a door was opened that we may have never entered in had the other door not been closed. And so we see God's ability to shut a door here. In Genesis chapter 3, after Adam's fall, the Bible says in verse 24, So he drove man out and placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. The Lord here, because of Adam's decision and choice, he had shut a door for them to make re-entry into the Garden of Eden. And particularly we see the flaming sword guarding uh, the tree of life. And so this visible, I believe it was visible to Adam, this flaming sword was a constant reminder of a door that God had shut in their life, and it was a visible reminder to them of a decision that they had made, a choice, if you want to say it that way, that they had made, and a door that had been closed because of that choice. And it's just a reminder to you and I all the way now, uh, thousands of years later, that God has the ability, as much as He has the ability to open things up, He also has the ability to close them. And then in Genesis chapter 7 in the story of Noah, we see another instance where God closed a door. And we spoke about it this last Sunday morning, how that that generation of Noah was so wicked and ungodly. And they were perverse. And their minds and their imaginations were on ungodly things and wickedness continually, the Bible says. And then... Uh, we know that God instructed, He gave him particular instructions of how to build an ark and what to make it out of, the materials to make it out of, the specifications of the length and the width and the height and how many windows and doors and all of that. There was only one door and only one window. And He told him all of these things in detail and He followed those instructions. And then the Lord miraculously caused every animal after its kind uh, to instinctively enter into that ark, which you know, if you know anything about animals, you know it's not instinctive for animals to do that, especially to coexist with one another. I mean, you had dogs and cats, amen, which are natural. I know they overcome it sometimes, but it's just a natural instinct not to particularly like one another and you you had you had predators and you had uh, other animals that were not uh, predators but the ones that were preyed upon that were all on that ark and this is a miracle and it says that they all came after their kind now i don't believe that there was every species of dog on that ark I believe it was after its kind there was uh, certain things that were on that I don't believe that every uh, creature that walked the face of the earth every breed of animal was on that ark I believe it was after its kind and uh, so uh, while there was uh, male and female dog on that ark I don't believe that there was a, a husky and a 
Irish setter and a and a poodle and and all of that. And uh, we we're learning nowadays they have labradoodles and you know what I'm talking about. They got all of these different breeds of they they come up with these exotic things and hybrids and whatever. But it was after its kind. Yet this was a great miracle that they came and they boarded that ark with no coercion uh, from from Noah or his family. He didn't have to hurt him. He didn't have to use a bullwhip. And uh, if you've ever worked with cattle, if you've ever worked with uh, horses, uh, sometimes it takes a little bit of persuasiveness. But they weren't able. They weren't. Uh, that wasn't needed. It was something that was natural because of God putting it in their heart to board that ark. And then in verse 15 and 16 it says, And they went into Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they, were, they that went in, went in male and female after all flesh, as God commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And uh, the shutting of this door upon Noah and his family and those creatures accompanying him on this voyage was no doubt uh, we understand by this story for their salvation. It was for their preservation. It was for them to be saved from the judgment that was to come. But I want us to understand there's a lot of doors that God shuts in our lives that is also ultimately for our salvation. We may not see it that way at the time. We may see it as a frustration or a setback or something we don't understand or why is God doing this or why is God allowing this or why is this happening to me? But just in the days of Noah, it was for the salvation of he and his household. It could be for the salvation of you that God shuts a door. Amen. He kept the judgments, the elements that were going to take place with this flood out of the ark and this family safely within. And then he also kept those that had not made the decision and had not chosen to board the ark during the space of time that God had given them. He, he did not allow them entry into the ark. And so God shut out judgment. He shut out chaos. He shut out all the hurt and the pain and confusion that was on the outside. And so we often view doors being shut to us in a negative sense. But as we see here illustrated in the life of Noah and his family, it can be a very positive thing. It can be a very positive thing. So when you're confronted with a shut door in your life, I, I, I want to challenge you to seek and to pray and to talk to God about that. And it may be that God has shut that door for your good. It may be that God is trying to keep you from something that would be detrimental to you, especially your soul, being saved. So every shut door is not a negative. It can be a very positive thing. Somebody said, well, I don't understand why I wasn't picked for that job. Or I don't understand. I've been serving the Lord and I've been living for God. And I don't understand why that didn't go through for me. Why I didn't get that uh, promotion. Why I didn't get that that I put in for. It could be that God is watching out for you. It could be that God is, is going to open up another door and a different avenue. I've seen people say, well, I, I, I'm going to. 
I'm going to pursue this, and it wasn't the will of God. How many knows we can pry doors open sometimes that don't need to be pried open in our own self-will? Because there is something that is very strong, and that is self-will. It's so strong that in our time, in this age of grace that we're living in, God does not go against the will of man to save him. Praise the Lord. But he gives you a choice. He gives you a decision. He said, I made you a little lower than the angels. Angels, they don't have a choice in their worship and their praise to God. But you have a choice in your praise and your worship tonight. You came to the house of God. You came to hear the word of the Lord. You came here to lift up your hands and to sing the songs and to exalt the name of Jesus. It's your choice. It's your decision. Amen. Because God gave you that choice and that decision. He said, I want you to serve me because you choose to serve me. Because you love me enough that out of the desire of your heart you want to do that. And so we are all here, and you've heard the statement, free moral agents of choice. And so if we're not careful, we'll pry around on things that God has endeavored to close in our lives and try to make entry into areas that God doesn't want us to. Amen. That's not the will of God. We need to accept it as a closed door and say, Lord, I know you're looking out for me, and I know that you've got my best interest in mind, and I'm going to pray that if this is a closed door, that you'll show me what avenue to take, where the open door is, and I want to keep on walking through the doors that you open for me. I don't want to get ahead of you. I don't want to try to do something that is outside of your will because you're protecting me as long as I continue to walk through the doors that you open. Praise the Lord. Let's clap our hands to him right now. And so not only is a closed door not a negative thing, but there is, in fact, doors that we need to allow God to shut in our lives at times. Amen? That we need God's help in seeing those doors shut. Perhaps there are doors that we've endeavored or even attempted in our flesh in vain to shut. We've tried it on our own, but we failed but the text says, he shutteth and no man openeth. Maybe there's doors in your life. And right here we're at a, we're at a new year, a, a time that we uh, on our calendars began. And, and this is a time when people again push reset and they get their goals and their resolutions and all of that lined out. And maybe there's some things over 2016 that you need the Lord to shut the door to. Maybe there's some things that you've been praying about in the course of your life that the Lord help you shut the door to. Maybe there's feelings of regret, perhaps guilt in your life or past defeats that have plagued you and have dogged your mind and your consciousness and you've rehearsed them and wondered, you know, I wish I could go back. I wish I could redo that. I wish I could... Uh, you know, have another performance or another chance at that particular situation. And it has impeded your relationship with God. It's, it's, it's kept you from really going forward as you need to and grow as you need to in the things of God. 
and you need that door to be shut. But you've tried in yourself and you've attempted in your flesh to shut that door. There's things in your past that you're not perhaps proud of. Instead of let that constantly be a stumbling block into the future, instead of allowing that to constantly be something that that dogs you and impedes your relationship with God and keeps you from becoming all that you're supposed to be in the Lord and reaching your potentials in God and seeing what God wants to do in your life fulfilled. Instead of allowing that to happen, God can help us tonight, I believe, through the Holy Ghost to shut that door and walk on into the open doors that God has put before us in the future. Do you believe that tonight, church? That God is able to help us to shut some doors, amen, that need to be shut. Sometimes right in the devil's face. Somebody said it's rude to slam a door in somebody's face. Well, it's not It's not rude, and we're not worried about how he feels about it when we slam the door in Satan's face. Amen. We want to slam the door in the devil's face concerning some certain things in our lives. Oh, yeah. Praise the Lord, somebody. It's important. Maybe it's fear. And I I think a lot of times we talk about this in such a general, broad-brush sense when we talk about fear. But fear is, is not that... It's not that easy to define. It's not something that is always, uh, in the general sense, uh, maybe identifiable when we just talk about it. We say fear. We, we equate it to being afraid of a certain thing or lack of courage or whatever. But fear and faith are not compatible. And wherever fear is allowed to set up house, Faith is going to be stopped and faith is going to be hindered. And fear can manifest itself in more than just one way. Amen? Now we can talk about the fear of God and the importance of having wholesome respect for the things of God and, and, a, and a wholesome respect for the power of God and the glory of God and a respect and a reverence and that kind of fear that the Bible talks about. And that's a totally different fear than what I'm referring to. But I'm talking about a fear that the devil puts on people. And the Bible talks about a spirit of fear, which is stronger than just having a fear of heights or uh, a phobia about something else that you, you view as being dangerous. Those are, those are things that are put in you naturally. It's not natural for you to... Uh, jump out of an airplane, per se, with a little parachute on your back. And it's natural that you would have a little bit of fear concerning that. So that's not the kind of fear that I'm referring to. But there is an unhealthy kind of fear that we can have. And the devil gets an inroad in people's lives because of things that has happened to them and because of something that has taken place, maybe some area that they were taking advantage of and and maybe even something that stems from their childhood or their adolescent years that strikes fear in their heart that he finds an inroad and he builds on that and it becomes a real hindrance to their relationship with God. Amen. And a real uh, hindrance to their faith in God and their ability to believe God. Uh, We see this a lot of times where and I'm just using this for an example, but maybe 
there's a history in your family of a certain medical problem. And perhaps people in your family has, has died from this. And generationally, it can be looked at. And, uh, and, and you know, this is something that, that all of us face. And, and all of us have probably got, if we know and, and investigate a little bit, probably got something that we can look back at. And genetically, it gets passed down or whatever. Or there's a propensity for those things. But if we're not careful, we can live in a total fear that because mama passed away with cancer and because, you know, her mother or her father passed away with cancer, then it must be my fate uh, to, to get cancer. Now, I'm not telling you to, be, uh, to ignore that or, or to not take precautions, and, but there is a difference in being cautious and being fearful and letting the devil dog your mind and hinder your faith and not believe in his ability to God's ability to heal you and to work in your life and let that be a stumbling block to you and that's a very broad and generalized example of what I'm talking about it could be a myriad of things and you could fill in the blank and people right here in this room know exactly what I'm referring to you've got something that has been there and the devil has used it as a place of stepping in and trying to hinder your relationship with God or your walk with God. Let me just tell you something. The Bible tells me that perfect love casteth out all fear. Not just some fear, but all fear. Not just a part, not but the whole. He's able to root it out. I said he's able to root it out. Amen. I remember uh, my mother and father telling me you go out there uh, and and you and you clean out the flower bed of all those weeds or the garden my grandfather always had a garden it got smaller as he got older and I was thankful for that because my lord he start out and he'd have row I mean it looked like he was taking over uh, he they lived on the property that was uh, where my father's home place or place was and and so they lived next door, and, and uh, he didn't ask permission how big his garden could be. He just made one. And, I mean, it was big, long, big, big garden. I mean, and then, and then over the years it got a little bit smaller. But he had, they had commissioned me, whether I wanted to or not, I guess just teach me a work ethic, to get out there and, and to uh, get all the weeds out of the garden or help them cultivate the garden. So I get out there and. And, uh, you know, it's so much easier just to pull the tops off of those weeds and kick a little dirt over them and uh, go on. I mean, it looked good, but it wouldn't be but the first rain come along, and there you go. You got a little sprout coming up. I said, it looks like to me you didn't weed this garden. You didn't pull it up by its root. You know, it took care of the problem for a few days, but it didn't take care of the problem permanently. And they've got this stuff called nutgrass. It'll drive you nuts. Amen. If you don't get a hold of that stuff and pull it completely up by its roots, it's going to come back, and it may come back way over there. Can somebody say amen? And, well, there's things in our lives that we have to get down and dig it up. And I'm going to tell you, we can't do that on our own. We can't do that by ourselves. There's none of us strong enough. You know, we depend, and I believe in having a strong constitution and a strong will. I don't want to minimize that, and I believe it takes your will to live for God. So don't get me wrong. 
It takes you having a will and a determination to live for God. That's that's the starting point. But I'm going to just tell you, your will and your and your strength and inward strength and all of that and determination and, and diligence, that makes it to a certain point. But there is a place that we need the help of God. There's a place that we got to let Him take over and we got to yield to Him and allow Him to be Lord of all in our lives. And when we do that, we're saying, God, there's things that I may not even see why there's anything wrong with me walking through that door. But if you say it needs to be shut, then I say, I submit to you. I yield to you because you know what's best for me. But if I'm just living for God in my own will and just saying, well, I got the grit and determination and discipline to do this, then I'm not going to understand those things because I'm going to say I'm strong enough. I got the, I'm going to tell you something. There's some area of everybody's life in this building that is not strong enough. That you have to rely upon God. You have to depend upon God. You have to put your trust. That's the way that's built into this. I said that is built into this. That we trust in Him. That we cannot live upon our own abilities and arm of the flesh and strength, but we have to depend upon God and trust in God to help us. Praise the Lord. And sooner or later in your relationship with God, you're going to be put in that position where you have to trust God, that you don't find the power, that you don't find the strength, that you don't find uh, the, the whatever it is uh, to overcome. Amen. But you have to depend upon God. And that's when He gets the glory. Because the scripture does say that in my weakness, he becomes strong. Amen. So somewhere along the way, i got to learn this lesson of, of allowing God to move in my life. But there's some little area that the devil has planted a seed of, of fear, and he's built on that, and that thing's grown, and it's gotten out of hand, and started out maybe small, and it's turned into a deal that the devil badgers you with. Fear maybe concerning your children. Fear maybe concerning <coughs> your job situation. And it's, and it's really affected your faith and ability to trust God. Fear over finances can cause people to recoil when it comes to giving to God. And then they shut off their own supply. They shut off their own blessing because they're letting fear dominate instead of faith. You have to have faith. To be a tither. You have to, be, you have to have faith in order to be a giver in the church. Can you say praise the Lord to that? That takes faith. It takes faith in God's word. Give and it shall be given. That's faith. Amen. That I accept that this is the word of God. And, and that God is not going to leave me destitute. But he's going to supply for my needs. And so a lot of people they get a, they get a bill. And they, and they know they need to pay their tithes. And so fear takes over. And they say well I'm going to take care of the bill. Instead of paying my tithes. And before you know it they don't have money to pay their bills. And they wonder why. And their finances goes down instead of up. And they wonder why. Amen. It takes faith. To be obedient to God. And fear is the thing that the devil uses. And even in small ways. And you think, well, that's such a, that's such a, 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 well, it's not a trivial thing. You may think it is, but that's not a trivial thing. Because you're, you're cutting off your blessing. And not only your blessing, but you can't be saved if you're not a giver. Amen. Praise the Lord. Didn't intend on getting on that, but that's just the facts of life. That's the Bible. That's not my words. That's the word of the Lord. 
Praise God. And so don't let fear come in. Don't, don't let worries dominate your mind and doubts dominate your mind and, and plague you and bother you and, and hinder you and keep you from really stretching out into the areas of God that you need to. God can help you shut that door. And it, it may be more than that. It may be bitter feelings that you wrestle with. You know, you may have got a raw deal when you were raised, or where you were raised, whom you were raised by, whatever, whatever. You, you may not understand some certain things. Uh, maybe somebody was taken from you prematurely, and you don't understand that. And these things, a lot of times, bitterness can manifest itself in many different ways, but usually when you get to the root of it, it's something like this that happened that people, really their bitterness, though it may be manifest to somebody else, it's a bitterness. They may have a hard time admitting this, but sometimes it's a bitterness towards God that I got dealt a bad hand. I didn't deserve this. Well, I suppose if we all dug around long enough, we could all get up a pretty good pity party on things that didn't go our way and things that weren't perfect in life and things that we didn't ask for. Amen? Praise the Lord. If we all just, just tried and dredged around, we could find it. And, and all of those, I'm not minimizing. I'm not saying, and, and, and we don't need to get into comparison and showing off scars and saying, look at my war wounds, and they're deeper and they're worse and they're more terrible than yours. I don't think that's, that's an answer either. And I'm going to just tell you something. Everybody's got a deal. Everybody in this room's got a deal. They got a situation. They got something that isn't perfect about their lives. Everybody here. Some people wear theirs out on their sleeves. Some people you can see it. You can see it on their face when they walk in a room. They got a bad deal. It's pretty obvious. Amen. They want the world to know it. And then there's some people that take the attitude, yeah, uh, this may have happened and this may have taken place, but I am going to continue to be faithful to God and he is going to help me to overcome He's going to help me to be a better person. And this may have happened, but I don't have to let it keep me down for the rest of my life. I don't have to let it kick me down the rest of my life. I don't have to let, allow it to, to uh, be an impediment to the blessings of God upon me. I'm not who that situation or those people say I am. I'm who God says I am anyway. Oh, praise the Lord. God can help you shut the door to that. Praise the Lord. You know, hurts and all those kind of things can, if you're not careful, turn into hate. And hate's a very powerful thing. And hate festers. And, and hate can resurface. Uh, it seems like out of nowhere, given the right conditions. I think one of the things that we've noticed over the last few years in America is that uh, you realize just how fragile things are. You realize just how uh, thin things really are. You think that's buried, but it's really not, because you 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 can't you can't uh, just pretend something away. You cannot just act like it don't exist. That doesn't work. You have to deal with it. You have to face it. You have to get down to the root of it. You have to dig it up, or else you're going to be back after the first rain, like me, and saying trying to explain to mom and dad why the weeds are coming back in the same places again. 
God can help you shut that door. Perhaps it's, uh, it's certain temptations and reoccurring sins. You thought you had it wrestled down. You thought you had it control over it. You thought, you thought, man, I've got victory here. And as I have said before, and I'll say again, and I, I just keep pounding this, your propensity and your temptation and your sin when you was in the world, the thing that you were hung up on in the world, is going to be your weakest link or the thing the devil's going to come to you with in the church. And that's where you need to keep that under prayer and fasting and consecrated and guard yourself in that area because that's where he's going to try to come back. And that's, 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 been, a, that's been an area, a passage into your life in the past, so that's what he's going to try to use again to get back in and wreak havoc and destroy you and to bring you down, he knows well, because he's a he, he's not omniscient. He doesn't know the thoughts. He doesn't know the mind of people here. He doesn't know what you're thinking right now. Amen. You ever heard anybody say "penny for your thoughts"? Well, the devil'd give a whole lot more than that to know some of our thoughts, because if he knew our thoughts, he'd know what he could use to destroy us. We give it away by our actions and by what we do. And thoughts do turn into actions. You dwell on something long enough. What is the old saying? A thought becomes an action, an action, a habit, and a habit, a lifestyle. And so that's just the way it works. And so having good habits of prayer and consecration concerning those areas, whatever habits you had before, you better replace it with a godly habit that protects you from those things and keeps that door shut. Can you say praise the Lord? So it's very important, you know. Uh, and we could delve into that, but I'm just telling you, whatever the temptation was and the reoccurring problem, you say, well, I thought I had this down. Again, you might be depending on your flesh, not that your flesh doesn't need to be engaged, amen, but you might be totally relying, oh, I'm strong enough. I don't have to pray. I don't have to trust God. I don't have to come to church. I don't have to be faithful. I don't have to do all those things. I mean, I got this. No, that's not how it works. You've got to trust God, and he can help you keep that door sealed. He can help you keep it closed in your life, and that's the only way it will stay closed. Amen? If you keep fooling around, you'll open up a Pandora's box. You'll never get shut because sin is insatiable in its desire. Sin has an appetite to destroy Sin doesn't stay at just, you know, you say, well, and, and there, we know that there's no levels to sin, but there is levels to spiritual activity. Amen. And darkness. Somebody said, well, I'm just going to stay at this level. I'm not going to let it go no further than this. That never happens. You come visit them a little bit later, and they're just a little bit darker than they were before. And they're a little deeper into it than they were before. And they're a little more tangled up than they were before. And they were a little messed up, more messed up than they were before. Amen? So we know we don't categorize sin as far as levels necessary, but there is levels, I believe, to spiritual darkness. The Bible talks about uh, spirits in high places. Amen? And so people can get to a place that they're, they're further away and they're harder to reach and they're more calloused. Because they've allowed it to get that way. You need to let the Lord shut the door to those things.
and it may be something you don't feel like you've been able to break through, an old habit, generational curses, constant struggles. And you say, how, how can I ever shut this door? Well, you can't shut it in yourself, but God can. God can. I don't care how long uh, abuse, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, whatever has been in your family, you can stop it with you because the Bible says that we're born again when we are baptized in his name and filled with his spirit. We're born again. So whatever whatever thing uh, gets passed down, it stops there. It stops with the blood of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you want to get real technical about it, you get a new name, the Bible says. Amen. I said you get a new name. You get the name of Jesus to invoke. Amen. Whatever your name has represented in the past, it may have represented alcoholism, may have represented drug abuse, it may have represented whatever, whatever. But when you get the name of Jesus applied to your life, you get a new name. You get new authority over that. Oh, praise God. Let God shut the door. And then I want to move into a little different dimension. God is able to shut that door so completely. He said, shutteth and no man openeth. And I know that when we think of man, we think flesh and blood. But I believe that pertains to spirits making entry also. I'm reminded of the story of Lot and how that when those angels came to visit him, there was evil men of that city that wanted to take them in and abuse them and how that God brought them into or the angels led Lot into his house and said, come on, let's, let's get inside the house. And God shut the door. And the Bible says that those men of the city were struck with blindness so that they wearied themselves about the door trying to figure out a way in. Amen. Instead of the devil wearing you out all the time, wouldn't you let God take care of this in such a way that it wears him out trying to figure a way to bring you down. I want to leave church every Sunday night. The devil's scratching his head, said, I don't know what's going on, but I, I, I can't seem to get to them. I can't, seem to, I can't seem to destroy them. I can't seem to bring them down. I can't seem to get in their mind. I can't seem to get a way in to them. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord right now. Amen. I know I'm not going a million miles an hour tonight, and I realize we're not turning somersaults, but this right here will probably help you more than a lot of that will, if you'll hear it. In First Chronicles chapter 28, verses 1 through 3, David's desire was to build a, a temple unto the Lord. He said, you know, we look around other nations, they've got these great houses built to their gods, places of worship. He said, and our God dwells in tents. This just isn't right. And I know that this is a different kind of door, but David went to the man of God. He went through the proper channels and procedures, asked if it would be all right, if he could be permitted to do this. 
to build this house unto the Lord and fulfill this desire that he had that was a noble one unto God. And then God, well, first the prophet said it, it you know, I, I mean, just logically, man, this, this sounds right. This, this is a noble thing. This has got to be the will of God. He said, yeah, go do it. And then God dealt with the prophet and he came back. Thankfully, David, who was a king, a man of position, a man of prestige, a man of power, a man of having a certain authority, was able to submit himself to the man of God. That says much for David. And he said, you know, God's dealt with me, and I know I told you one thing, but God says, no, that you're a man of war. you got blood on your hands, and you're not going to build his temple. And so David, instead of questioning God, he accepted God's ruling on the matter. He accepted the will of God concerning this. And he did something very, to me, very noble in the face of a no. And that is that he built, he got the materials together, he got the plans together, he got everything fixed just right so that his son could build the temple. That takes somebody that's humble. That takes somebody that prefers the kingdom of God above themselves. And so it's a mark of maturity when you can accept the will of God, even if it's contrary to your human desires and your fleshly will. David didn't question him. He didn't harbor bitterness about it. He didn't ask for an explanation. There's no evidence of that. David knew that it doesn't go well for people who attempt to force a door that God has closed back open again. So he said, I'm just going to accept this. And I'm going to live for God. I'm going to do what I can do. If you're a child of God, you must have faith and trust that God, if he says no, then there's a reason for it. And there's a purpose for it. And his perfect will can be done if I'll accept it. He may even have something a whole lot better down the tracks. But I promise you heaven's going to be worth it all if we're just obedient to God and the blessing of going to heaven Amen. Everything will be put in perspective when you get on the other side. I said everything will be put in perspective in eternity if we'll just trust God. But also, as much as it says, He openeth and no man, or shutteth and no man openeth, it also says that He openeth and no man shutteth. How many knows that God knows how to open doors for us, too? The devil may try to blockade them. Amen. He may try to keep them closed or hinder them, them from being opened or hinder the passage to whatever it is that we desire and need from God. But if, if it's the will of God and if we're trusting God and if we're seeking God and if we're hungry for God to move in our life, we can move into those areas and nothing can hinder it from being done. Bible said in the book of Joshua, chapter number 6 and verse 1, now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel, and none went out, and none came in. And the very next verse says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, 
I have given into thy hand Jericho. They may have straightly shut it up. They may have done everything they can to fortify this city and to hinder you. Your enemy may have done everything to shut the door. He may have walled it in as best as he knows. But the Bible says that God spoke to him and he said, I'm going to give you this city. Doesn't matter what it appears to be. Doesn't matter how great the walls. And you know from, from knowing this story, you know how these walls were something that seemed impregnable by, by many. Historians have told us that, that there was chariot races on the top. They were so wide, these walls. These walls were a protection. They even had a, a certain amount of pride concerning this, that they would never be overtaken or overthrown because of the walls of this city. But when God got ready to give his people the city of Jericho, those walls were not a hindrance. The gates of that city were not a hindrance. He said, I will open and no man is going to be able to keep me out. When I get ready to do it, I can open the door. I can provide the way. You just trust in me. You just be obedient to me. And can I just go a little further with that and say that the doors were not open as we would traditionally think them to be. They didn't enter that city through the gate, but the walls came down. Amen. God is able to totally break up whatever opposition is standing before you. He's able to open it up. Amen. He's able to give you what you need and what you desire in God if you'll trust Him and have faith in Him. Oh, let's give some praise to the Lord. Many times in the Word of God, we find that, that uh, a famine would come on because of God being displeased. The reason for the famine would be because the heavens had been shut up. There would be no rain. They didn't have all of the sophisticated uh, irrigation that we have nowadays. And their crops would dry up. And because there was no rain, there was no way for them to survive. And if this would be prolonged over a long period of time... Then, then it would really be a dire situation. And this would be a cause for people to turn their attention towards God. And many times people, uh, that's the way that God would get their attention. That's the way that God would change their direction and their ways. And that was a, a way that God would use to stir them up to prayer is by causing the heavens to be shut up. And the Bible speaks in the book of James about Elijah. It said Elias was a, a, a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three and a half years. Amen. But the Bible tells us that when God got ready to open it up, uh, God yielded to the prayers of this man right here, and there was rain that come. There was a door that had been shut, uh, but when God got ready to open it, and through the prayers uh, of a man of God that was able to pray fervently and effectively, the Scripture says that the windows of heaven were open, and rain came back, and the blessings of God came back to the land. Can I tell you that if you've been going through a spiritual drought, that if you get a hold of God in prayer, the door can be open again. I'm telling you, it's a door that no man can shut. He said, I'm able to open and no man can shut it. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet right now. Let's lift up our voices unto the Lord and give him praise together. Praise God.
we read to you in the word of the Lord about the church of Philadelphia, and I'm, I'm skipping across some things to get to the conclusion. But God spake clearly to this church and said, Behold, I've set before you an open door. This is a little different in a sense in that he said, I set before you. That almost seems like he's given them a choice. You have an opportunity here. I'm not going to drive you through the door. I'm not going to make you or coerce you to go through the door. But here it is. If you're, I've noticed some good things about you, and I want to bless you. You've got some good attributes, and, and he went over those, and we could deal with those. But he said, I've set before you an open door. And it's not something that anybody else, the devil or no one else, can obstruct. When you get ready to go through it, you can go through it. He's revealing to them the possibilities of revival and miracles and anointing and blessing and how that they are limitless. Some apostolics evaluate our world and come away talking about closed doors and how bad it is and how evil the day is. And truly it is an evil day, but I believe that there's other people that can look around and see that God's in control. And see this same world and say, you know what? There's a door and an opportunity for a revival like never before, too. While we live in a day of, of sin, and while we live in a day of, of people seemingly going further into the darkness of sin, uh, just like it was in all these illustrations that we used, Noah's day, God opened a door for people that was hungry. Lot's day, God opened a door for people that was hungry. Amen? Throughout the Old Testament, you'll read it over and over again. God said, I, I'll provide a way if you're hungry, if you want to be used to me, if you want me, if you're desirous of me, and could it be that each of us can have it the way we see it and the way we respond to it. That's just the way it is in our lives. You know what? If it's all you can see is darkness, that's probably what's going to happen. That's probably how it's going to be for you. If all you can see is bad things, then possibly that's what your life's going to be filled with. But if you've got eyes of faith, and if you've got a, if you've got a heart that says, you know what, I, I, I believe there's more possibility here. I believe there's greater things that can happen here. Amen. And you start pursuing those things and looking towards those things. Amen. The psalmist said, I look towards the hills. From whence cometh my help, my help cometh from the, when I can't see what I want to see right here. I may be in a valley, but I don't have to be focused on the valley. I can look towards the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Come on, get your eyes up there where God's moving and where God's working and where the possibilities of God's miracles are. Open that door. God's able to help us. Amen. I believe there's a door wide open for miracles, revival, anointing, blessings, God's glory, God's goodness. Amen. There's a door open here tonight for somebody, a possibility for somebody. Musician, come. Let's, let's open up our hearts to what God wants to do. You know, the deal is, is that God's open to move and God's wanting to work and God's got possibilities before us. But are we are we willing to yield? Are we willing to surrender? Is our hearts open to what God wants to do? Are we willing to yield ourselves to God's plan for our lives? 
I wonder if there's somebody that will take the challenge. He said, I set before you. I'm not going to push you through it. I'm not even going to take you by the hand and pull you through it. But if you want to walk through it by your own choice, volition, you can do it because it's set before you. This could be a year like no other for people in this place. Year of blessing, year of hope, years of pra- a year of prayer being answered, a, no- a new anointing. But you have to walk through the door. That's your choice. I wonder if there's somebody by coming to this altar to say, God, I want to do my part in walking into your goodness and your grace and your blessings in this new year. Hallelujah. I want to do my part in stepping forward in faith into the possibilities that you have and the promises of God that are before us. Hallelujah.